Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan, a short-form comic book podcast where my goal is to help you find that next fantastic read or discover an old favorite. I cover comics from the golden age to now, indies, and Kickstarter campaigns. You never know what I might cover, but you will know where to find fantastic comics to read at the end of each episode. It's Thursday, October 22nd, 2022, and episode 70 of the podcast. This time around, we're talking Thor. And in a minute, I'll tell you about today's guest. Now, personally, I think of all of Marvel's heroes, I think Thor is the most versatile. Over the decades, he's had fantastic adventures on Earth, Asgard, even off in space. The problem is there are so many great runs, and that due to time, they tend to get forgotten. Now, I have often proudly proclaimed myself a Bronze Age baby, with 1977 the year I started reading comic books. But unfortunately, the problem and the joy is that Bronze Age comics don't read like modern day comics. But, as I've often said, there are fantastic reads from every age of comics, if read in the context of the times. There are some great runs of Thor from the Bronze Age. So, joining me today is Billy D, who has two podcasts going. The first is A World on Fire, which recently wrapped the first season and covered the All-Star Squadron's entire run. To me, it's a gem of a comic that still holds up after all these years. The second season has started, and they just started covering two forgotten Bronze Age comics, Steel, The Indestructible Man, and the first Freedom Fighter run in the Bronze Age. Now, his other podcast is Magazines and Monsters. Covers spookies, comics, movies, and gosh, you never know what they're going to have each episode. And heads up, tomorrow, if all goes well, Billy is on the podcast again talking about both those podcasts of his. Also, Ross Aitken of Stop Let's Team Up also talks about his podcast. All three are excellent picks to add to your podcast listens. Now this brings us to today's podcast, and we're talking Thor 272 from 1978. It's the beginning of Roy Thomas's second run on the title. And, well, just listen to the episode. It's a great spot to pick up a Bronze Age Thor run. Now, if you like this podcast, please spread the word. Again, recommend it to other fans. Look at the show notes. You'll find a link tree to all of our social media platforms and where you can listen to the podcast. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I really want the podcast to continue to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering and reading comic books. Thanks for listening on today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast today. I've got Billy D back on. Billy D has two podcasts going. The first one is A World on Fire, which is the All-Star Squadron podcast. And he also has magazines and monsters, which covers pretty much Bronze Age horror comics. Is that correct? Well, the initial idea when I started magazines and monsters was I wanted to talk about the two things I love the most, and that was comics and like old school classic sci-fi and horror films. So I started about every two weeks once I got on a good schedule, and I kind of alternate between uh, movies. And comics. And then I realized that I wanted to talk specifically about a lot of horror comics 
So I kind of have another show that's starting on that feed. I just did start recently where I'm going to cover nothing but, you know, Marvel, DC, uh, Skywall, Charlton, all horror comics on its own kind of show. So then I can talk just superhero comics on, you know, the main show feed gotcha. along with the movies. Yeah. Billy, today uh, we're talking about a comic book that I had him pick. It's Thor 272 from 1978. It is by Roy Thomas. And this is actually Roy Thomas's first issue of writing Thor. Uh, mm-hmm. It also has John Cassini doing pencils and Tom Palmer doing inks. Billy, why did you choose this particular comic book to cover of all the Thors that are out there, besides it being Roy Thomas's first issue? Well, one of the reasons is because I feel that Bronze Age Thor gets the short end of the stick because of what follows with the uh, very much heralded uh, Walter Simonson run. And and you know it it's good it's good that it does get the love it gets you know that, that's a that's not a bad thing but i feel like the the bronze age kind of gets overlooked between lee and kirby and then people just kind of skip right over to the assignments and stuff but there's a lot of really good stuff in the bronze age this particular one came out in roy thomas's kind of twilight at marvel he'd been mm-hmm. at marvel for almost 10 years he started up as a writer then in the early 70s, when Stan Lee stepped aside, he became editor-in-chief for two years and then stuck around again just as a writer. And this is, he, I, I'm sorry, do you know if he was on this very long? I forget again. Well, right before this, you had Len Wein on here and before him was Jerry Conway. So some two, two seminal Bronze say, Age guys. Two great, yeah. Again, why did you choose this particular issue for the Thor? I mean, you could have shown at anyone, but what, what what makes this one stand out? Well, this one, like you said already, for sure, it was, you know, I'm a huge Roy Thomas fan. So his uh, first one on here and it, what it leads into is uh, some of my favorite Thor comics ever, which, you know, Ragnarok, he tells that story in his own way. And then after that, you have the uh, eternal saga that he starts off and it's just incredible. I love it. It's just high, high fantasy stuff. Roy Thomas, I always thought he had really good business sense, much more so in a lot of ways than possibly even Stan Lee, because you know, it was uh, Roy Thomas who talked Stan into doing like Conan and also later on talked him into doing Star Wars. And a lot of people don't realize that he actually mm-hmm. wrote, he actually wrote the very first Marvel DC crossover, which was the Wizard of Oz, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, wow, I, I was reading that not too long ago. And it's like, that's, to me, it's like Roy Thomas, a lot of times gets skimmed over when, as a, as a creator, he kind of gets the, you know, again, like in the Thor run, he gets overshadowed and nobody reads Bronze Age like they should anymore. Yeah, he wrote basically from here all the way up through 298. So that's not too bad of a run on, on Thor. So uh-huh. he didn't run that long. How do you think Thor's run, his Thor run compares to other runs like between like Len Wein, Conway, and even some of the stuff, you know, after that? How does that how does his run compare? I think it's it's really strong stuff. I do. And I mean, uh, part of that is, you know, Roy being a good writer. But part of that also is, you know, when you have an art team like uh, John Buscema and Tom Palmer, that doesn't hurt either because I think uh, that's a really good art team for a character like Thor. We know Big John, he really, he liked drawing, 
you know, the Conans of the world and things like this, more fantasy stuff than he did uh, superheroes. Did Roy Thomas, in your opinion, leave anything lasting in the mythos of Thor? You know, in comparison to where things are in comics in 2022, probably not, to be perfectly honest. For a long time, though, a lot of the things that he set here, you know, stayed in continuity and were kind of a big deal, like I said, especially when he did the uh, Eternal Saga, which is comes after Ragnarok, which this is kind of the beginnings of. That lasted for a long time, you know what I mean? And there was a lot of stuff that happened in that story that was really good. It showed, you know, some backstory uh, for the character, which was great. I was talking, uh, you've had Ross Aiken on yourself. You just stop, let's team up. And we're having mm-hmm. a, a small discussion that I was thinking that a lot of the Bronze Age comics during this era were kind of um, just coasting along without really doing much of anything overall. Mm-hmm. Would you would you kind of, how would you think about that? I mean, they were putting out comic books so they weren't just, just, okay, here's another issue of comic book. There were a lot of good creative choices of actually moving, you know, the marker down the line. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I think there were a lot of guys that were incredibly talented people that were writing the stories and and drawing and inking and everything like that. But I don't think most of them had a big picture or a long game in mind. It was just a month to month kind of thing, or even maybe two issues in a row or something like that. Uh, that, that, That was kind of like the way they were. Because, you know, in the early 70s, you know, like the Defenders and even Fantastic Four and Avengers, you had longer arcs of stuff. But it seems like a lot of writers, both at Marvel and DC at this time, are just kind of like phoning in their stories and just, oh, here's another story without really a whole lot of foresight and planning. Mm-hmm. What also is kind of interesting about this is there's a heck of a lot of dialogue in these comic books. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, modern, modern reader don't understand, you know, that a comic book used to take a long time to read at times, you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of a good thing because I know a lot of comic books when I read them now, I'm like, I'm done. That's it. Where this store now you have dialogue, you have a bunch of captions and all types of, I don't think there's any, no, there's no, I'm going flipping through the pages. There's no thought balloons at all in this, but there, it's a heavily dialogue. Do you think comic books are better off now without the heavy dialogue or it just depends on the story? I kind of miss the heavier dialogue and the more storytelling than just pictures. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this era, even though, you know, I, I will admit there there is some, you know, from issue to issue, sometimes a bit of purple prose. Sometimes it's a little excessive, but uh, I, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week over you know, the other end of the spectrum, which is, to me, not enough dialogue. Did John Bishimi, do you know offhand if he did a big run on Thor? I didn't pull him up. Yeah, no, he was on here just for a little while, and then it kind of started to get a little bit more of a, I don't want to say rotating artist after this, but he didn't have a really, really long run in here, no, which is a shame because, again, like I said, I think he's, he's more suited because there was more love in this kind of stuff for him. And Ragnarok really starts, you're right, in just a couple of issues, starting right around with issue 274 and 275. They actually killed off Balder the Brave. Did he stay dead for a while in the comic books then at this point? I think it, he was definitely back by the time Simonson came around, I think. So maybe maybe a couple of years, but not long. For Thor, I really think that, you know, as, as Thomas got going, 
he really did shake up Thor a little bit. Kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. You know, he killed off Thor. Mm -hmm. You know, he did the Ragnarok. You know, he brought Mm -hmm. in the Eternals. I can't really think of a bad run that Roy Thomas really sucked at. I mean, I think he's had, over the years, he's had a pretty solid list of creator credits. I mean, would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, after John Buscema jumped off the book here, there was a few different creators, or I'm sorry, artists. But then uh, one of my favorite kind of artists that you don't really hear people talk about, he took over and did a little bit of a run too, uh, is Keith Pollard. Oh, that's right. He was great. At this point in time in 2022, we're talking decades of comic books and Marvel continuity. And a lot of creators get lost in that shuffle. And mm-hmm. just because like Roy Thomas isn't necessarily relevant as a storyline now, it doesn't take away that he wrote some really good Thor stories back in those late 70s, Bronze Age. And I keep telling people, mm-hmm. you need to read those comic books and read them in the context of the time because they're really good stories. Yeah, and this one to me is a perfect example because he kind of pulled a bit of a Stan Lee here because there was a couple of times where Lee had Thor tell stories of his youth to children on the street and that's kind of where this uh, story starts out too which is really cool i enjoy that a lot before we wrap this up is there anything else you want to talk about with this thor run by roy thomas or this particular issue no just to say that like i said i think it's a little bit overshadowed you know because of how heralded walt simonson's run was you know because he was you know uh, writing it and penciling it for for quite a while. I think Sal Buscema maybe jumped on towards the end with the penciling and he was still writing, but uh, that run gets so much love and has been reprinted so many times. I think this stuff kind of gets pushed aside, but you know, there's a Ragnarok trade out there. I'm sure it's long out of print, but it, it's not in the zeitgeist right now. So you could probably find it cheap. And then like we said, the Eternal Saga, great stuff. Definitely look it up. And unlike DC, Marvel does put like 90% of these Bronze Age comics on their unlimited app. So even if you can't find them, you can read them yeah. on the app itself. I, they, Marvel has done a great job over the years of actually putting out these comic books. And like you said, some of them might be hard to find. You don't want the trades out there, but you can go on the app and just read everything that there is from the Roy Thomas front of Thor. Okay, mm-hmm. Billy, thanks again for joining me. I'm going to have you again on the podcast. I'll have your uh, podcast in the show notes. Thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Ron. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you stick around for future episodes. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend it to comic fans. With this episode, I've added a link tree to the show notes, allowing you easy access to the comic fan podcast, platforms, and social media accounts. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Again, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.